All right, I recognize that voice. Welcome, friends. Episode 3. On behalf of Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton. This is the Toddcast, where we're talking to all kinds of people about how they encountered God and how they're sharing the gospel today. And today, that voice, that voice, former lead singer in a death metal band, pursuing a career in the music biz, encountering God, now married two little ones, new author, and heavily involved with Disciple of City, let's welcome Curtis Hartshorn! So good to be here. Pumped. Thanks that was for, the best intro song I've ever heard. It, you know what? Life. It is. Yeah, it is. And I don't know if I said it, but Curtis is the voice of the Toddcast. Come on. Thanks for coming out, bro. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's, uh, wouldn't be anywhere else in the world. Awesome. Even if I could be. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis, let's just dive right into it, man. Um, Love starting off the show, just hearing about people's backgrounds and before we hear about their tangible encounter or how they encounter God, just how did you grow up, man? What was your household like when you grew up? Yeah, so I I was born into like a Christian family. My parents are both like strong believers. Uh, we were in, kind of raised in the like a Baptist brethren uh, background. Uh, good, like foundation on the Bible and everything and Christian camps, like the whole, the whole deal. Um, I did actually, I believe I had like a relationship with Jesus when I was a young kid. I, I gave my life to him. Um, didn't like fully surrender till I was 19 when I got baptized and, and all that. But yeah, the story is kind of like, I, I struggled with a lot of bitterness and I, um, when I was in elementary school, I, I, had a few things that really set me off. I uh, felt like I couldn't fit into the Christian group and then uh, got really bitter in my heart. And then that's, I ended up running away from God for a bunch of years. Hmm. Let's pull that mic a little bit closer to you, brother. Sure. So, so then let's jump up ahead to where uh, you got into this band called pushing up daisies <laughs> yeah <laughs> this was high school for you so that was in high school yeah and uh, i was always really musical so me and a bunch of buddies we'd been playing guitar and drums and everything and had a passion for writing music from when we were like in grade six and so uh me and uh, a few of my friends who had been kind of jamming with over the years we got into death metal music and we just loved the like shredding guitars and just how hard the music was to play and also just how like fun the shows were because they're just insane, like mosh pits and everything. So we, we got into that music when I was in high school and it was, it was kind of just like a cool thing to do. And a lot of kids were into metal. I don't know what the metal scene is like nowadays, but at that point in time, it was hardcore metal stuff was really the thing. And, and so you, you say death metal, were you aware that it was death metal? Because I mean, I grew up loving metal too, not so much the death metal, but the same shredding heavy mosh. But were you aware of the magnitude or like when you say death metal, were that, were your lyrics revolving around that? Yeah. Good question. So I, I think, uh, it started off like, just again, like the music, I loved it. And I, I love like creating stuff and, um, playing shows and all that. I think for me, I, I began to develop this like real fascination for darkness 
And part of this was like, because I was rebelling against God, I got really bitter at my parents, bitter towards the church, um, got really angry at God. And I, I, I like renounced him before high school. And I was like, God, I want like nothing to do with you. I still believed in him, but I like was so angry at him for some of these things that happened to me when I was, uh, younger that I, I was just like, I want nothing to do with you basically. So in that like rebellion, and then all, I was also getting into drugs at the same time. So all through high school was starting to started to smoke weed and then started to drink a lot and then started getting into more weird stuff and like hallucinogens and all that kind of jazz. And then uh, with that, I just started developing this real fascination for dark stuff. So I'd like read dark stuff. I had like a horror movie addiction. Like I'd be watching horror movies like every day. And just like writing these really messed up lyrics. Um, and yeah, it just kind of, uh, it just became like an obsession. It's hard to explain. It's, it was almost like an addiction kind of like you just, the feeling you would get from like contemplating something really messed up and dark and then like singing, screaming about it. And like, it just made you feel like, I don't know, powerful is the way I thought about it. Like I could, and there was times where I'd actually begin to like feel like power in my body sometimes where I was doing these shows or whatever. And it felt kind of good. Like it made me feel like intimidating and yeah, it's a rush, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and so then that brings you, you're around 19 years old and you split from these guys or from that band and joined, uh, um, alienist, another band called yeah, alienist. Yeah. yeah. So that band, it was, uh, and like super skilled, like talented, guys and it's like that was that was like a really tough season for me though when I started that band and we basically we we started writing some songs uh we were gonna start recording played like one show but then that's when like my whole life changed and I I encountered Jesus and now were these guys buddies or were they a band that you found and joined uh these guys were like so one of them was a buddy I worked with who was a drummer but like years later he was like Hey man, we're starting uh, this band and it was a collection of like different guitar teachers from around the area and just super talented dudes. And like, they were like, yeah, we want to start this like crazy grindcore kind of death metal band. And, uh, and they needed a vocalist. At first I was recording some bass for them and then they were like, actually, do you want to just scream for us? Cause you're so much better at screaming than so then, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, and, and you were with Sylvia at the time you guys were dating. Yeah. So me and Sylvia Curtis is now wife. Yeah. So me and Sylvia are dating and she was kind of weirded out by the whole death metal scene. Um, but yeah, it was around the time, uh, that I was, I was really starting to like look into doing this as a career. Um, like the death metal screaming when I was 19, I was starting to have some conversations with different labels and stuff like that. And they were interested in, there was a few bands that were like pursuing me from different record labels and stuff. And so this stuff was definitely starting to open up. Um, but then I basically had this mental breakdown. Um, and I, I start, I felt like I was going insane and I started having what I now know is demonic experiences. But at the time I was like, well, I must have schizophrenia or bipolar or maybe just a mixed bag of everything because I was having just like all kinds of wacky dreams. And even during like broad daylight, I'd be like hearing voices and I would start like I would feel like something would like take over my body and I would slip into like an autopilot thing for a bit. And like, it started really freaking me out. It started getting messed up. And that's when I, you know, it got basically built and built until I was like, I, I need out of this or. So were you, my life. 
were you guys as a band or you as an individual, were you getting into stuff outside of the music in sort of a dark demonic yeah. way or, or was it just the music and the writing and the mindset or what was that? I do mean, you think? for me, it was a lot of the music and like I, I, but we, I did begin to read and like look into different witchcraft stuff. And for me, it wasn't like I was seriously thinking of myself as like, oh yeah, I'm a, a witch or, or a wizard or whatever you call yourself. Um, man, a manly, manly <laughs> witch. <laughs> but, uh, like I wasn't like, I thought it was more, mainly like a joke and I would kind of like look into it. But at the same time, I like knew there was something real to it and it, it was more just like a fascination. So I wasn't a part of any like, like society or something, or I didn't like enter into the world of that, like super deep. But mostly for me, it was just like, I would, I would feel like I could conjure up this power and it's hard to explain, but I would be like in my basement like writing these insane lyrics, maybe like, I, you know, I was doing lots of drugs and stuff too, but I would feel like these things come over my body. And then I would like, feel like I was channeling some kind of power. And even in the shows, it was the same thing. It was like a very like spiritual experience where I was like, it was just more than, than physical, you know? Was it something that at first felt good and, and over time started to not? Mm-hmm. So at first, I think too, I was really insecure as a young kid. And I felt like, you know, I was, I bullied quite a bit. And then I, I felt like I, I grew a lot and I had this, you know, just insecure high school kid wanted to be like tough. And I think the, like, along with like getting in fights and stuff like that, I think the music really, and the, these experiences I was having in the horror movies, it was all just like trying to, I don't know, I was trying to make myself feel intimidating or something like that. Yeah, yeah. If I look back on it, and my my hindsight's twenty twenty, it seems like I was doing a lot of those things out of insecurity. Um, yeah, but it basically it got to the point where at first when it was fun, it then began to like take over my mind. So I already mentioned like during the day I would sometimes hear voices and stuff, but there was this season of time where like I the autopilot thing kept happening, and I would just be like. I remember dating Sylvia and just feeling like, oh man, I, I love this girl so much, but I feel like I can't even love somebody. Like I'm so disconnected from reality. It's like, I can't even feel or experience anything real. Um, and I would, there was times where I would have like full conversations with people, but it was like, I was like tied to a chair in the back of my mind and someone else was just using my body and there's times where I'd have a conversation I'd be like I don't even know what was ta- I was talking about my mouth was moving the whole time mm-hmm. and I was just in the back seat kind of thing like tied up in the trunk um and it was hard it's hard which is hard to explain in like physical words but it, I just felt like totally detached from reality so I mean that went on for a while it started to freak me out and at first I mean I did every rational thing I could do I was like well it must be drugs so I'm going to stop the drugs so I quit like all the drugs, I quit smoking weed, quit like obviously the harder stuff that I was doing. And I went, I think it was about a full year, almost a year where I was completely sober. Um, but that whole year was like the worst year of my life. Like, even though I got sober and I could feel that the drugs were like out of my system and everything, my mind just went weirder and weirder. And like, 
I mean, it sounds weird, and I'm not. Uh, I'm obviously don't carry any shame in my life or anything, so I can talk about this stuff. <laughs> but like, I used to have like I would be having conversations with people, and like my mind, and maybe this will like hit somebody who's listening to this, and so that's why I'm sharing it. If you need freedom from this, that's what we want, bro. Yeah. But like my mind, there would be times I'd be talking to somebody, just having a normal conversation like we're having. And then I would just be like seeing these images of them being like brutally murdered in my mind or just like horrific. And it freaked me out. And I was like, man, I don't want these things in my head. Like, why is it like that? I, you know, I'm trying to talk or just do a basic life thing. And my mind was just getting it was just constantly seeing these like disgusting images and like. Um, or just like suicidal thoughts would just hit me out of nowhere. Just like, you know, you shouldn't, you got nothing to live for. Like you're a waste to like, just, just take your own life. And it would just come out of nowhere. And it was just like, but it was like so loud too. It was like a constant barrage to my brain. And I got to this point where I was like, I just can't take this anymore. Like if I, if I don't get, you know, I, and I even tried to start looking into different psychology stuff. And met, I think I met with a couple like, um, psychiatrists or whatever and i was like i i was just like i just needed a miracle and mm. so that's when i like reached out to my mom for the first time in years i don't know how i got invited but I got, I got invited by somebody to go to this church were you living at home at the time i was yeah and like i mean i don't know how my parents were still letting me live at home at that point in time but and you were going to school like is this when you were at durham college for i was at durham college and i was going for music business but i basically flunked every single course because I, my life was just so crazy and I was, I was actually going to class and I mean, I think I was still drinking a bit at that point in time. I'd cut all the drugs, but was still doing alcohol, but I was drinking a bit and, um, anyways, just not in a good spot. And so you're, so while this is all going on, you're a busy dude, you're doing the band thing, having all these thoughts and everything else. You're going to college. Yeah. You're dating Sylvia. You're working too. You got a job on the go. Um, during I this? think I had a job at that stage. I was working in like factories for a bit. I, I think actually at that stage though, I was just like, I'm just going to go to school and just do music business stuff. Cause I think too, to just, my parents were like, you should go to school for something. So I was like, well, I'll go for music because that's all I want to do anyways. So, so what yeah. about the skateboarding? Was oh, that yeah, before, was, after, or during? Oh, that was all during, and I still skateboard. But I was, yeah, so I was skateboarding at that point in time. And so, when you, I understand you were uh, sponsored, yeah, by Converse as an uh, amateur skateboarder. So that's going on too. Yeah, yeah. So I was sponsored. I was making videos and stuff. I wasn't like I. I was kind of lazy with it. Like I had some buddies. Like some of my buddies are like pro skateboarders now. Like just like top pro skaters and like. Um, so I grew up with those guys. I was kind of, I wasn't as disciplined with it. And obviously my lifestyle wasn't very healthy and I was really committed to the band. So I would basically go every once in a while and huck myself down something <laughs> huge, try to get some video clip. But I was, yeah, anyways, I was kind of lazy with it. So, um, That's but a- I, I was still sponsored making videos and trying to, I, I kind of held it as like a plan B. I was like, well, if the metal stuff, doesn't happen maybe i'll just keep skateboarding too and i don't know make something of skateboarding i didn't think i would be like a pro skater like maybe if i had of but it was my lifestyle like a whole lot and really discipline myself maybe but i I just wasn't as disciplined as some of my buddies were in it and in your band you guys had a you did had you cut a record yeah so we made like a couple like just little eps and cds and stuff um 
But yeah, we, we were starting to like get more into recording and a lot of it was high school and this. So like, luckily, I mean, I was 19, so I was just starting to go, okay, this could actually be a career and take this more seriously. And basically like, yeah, right. As those doors were kind of opening up, that's when I gave my life to Jesus. So, okay. So let's talk about that because this is like you seemingly had a lot of worldly, like things on the go perspectives, right? A path to skateboarding, a path in the band, you're going to school, you're getting an education in business management. So as, as you're being tormented, then talk about how, what, you, you started to talk about how you reached out to your mom or something. Yeah. So I, I just kind of got to that point. I was mentioning like the suicidal thoughts and stuff, but I got to this point where I was so desperate inside just to like for freedom. And, uh, I was like, I just need a miracle in my life. And I got invited to this church and I was like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to go to church. And I mean, it was just the Holy spirit drawing me back to himself, but I was just like, I was just so desperate. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll go try church again. And went to this young adult church and, um, I was sitting in the back of this church and this is when things got real, but as the service is going on, I'm like blacking out and like fainting in the back row of this church. I think I had my hood up. I'm in like all black, probably got like corpses all over my sweater or something. <laughs> so I'm sitting in the back with my hood up and I'm like passing out. And I like remember just like holding the chair in front of me because I felt like I was like on a roller coaster or something. I was just, just like, what the heck is going on right now? And I, I was just losing control of my body and fainting. And then can't remember anything from the whole service except I was like, oh, the music was kind of cool, I guess. I don't know. Like, and then, but at the end of the service, this guy, uh, one of the pastors got up and he was like, I just feel like I have a word for somebody here. And there's someone here and you just feel trapped and you feel like you're trapped in your own mind. And, uh, I forget exactly what he said, but it was something like you're trapped and you're a prisoner in your own mind. And Jesus wants to set you free tonight. And it was like, when he said it, it was like, it wasn't just that it was a relevant message to me, but it like cut me in my heart, like in my soul. And I was like, I, it was like, I knew it was God speaking directly to me. Mm. And, um, and then, so in that moment, like I'm sitting in the back and I'm still just like struggling, like just in my mind and everything, just like what's going on. And then, uh, I basically prayed a prayer. I I couldn't even pray it with my mouth. Like I couldn't even move my, my mouth to say it out loud, but I was, uh, I basically was like, Jesus, um, I am, I was like, I will follow you. Uh, but I can't. And then I was like, but if you basically come and heal me, then I'll give you the rest of my life. Mm. And then, uh, in that moment, it was like, and I, I always tell this story and it's so weird because I, I wish I knew exactly what happened in the spiritual realm kind of thing. But I felt these like hands, like a hands like come down the back of my back and like almost like grab me. And then, and then it was like a shot of electricity just went right through my body. And I just like jolted up like to my feet. And I just ran down to the front of this church and just basically collapsed when I got to the front. Wow. And I was just like, and I was, and I just started crying out. Like I made a huge scene probably in this place and like, which I didn't give a rip what anyone thought of me, but I just was wailing and wailing and just like, can somebody please help me? Can someone pray for me? Like I need help. Like I need help. And just bawling my eyes out and just asking somebody to help me. And so eventually like some leaders came and they like took me off to the side of the the church and they started praying for me and casting out demons. And like the pastor was like, you know, Curtis, have you ever 
herd of evil spirits kind of thing. And like, right when he started talking to me about it, I was like, I knew I was like, that's exactly what this experience is. Like, and I was like, you know, I'd been pursuing the mental health stuff and nothing was working. And then I was like, okay, no, this is I, like when he started talking about demons, I was like, that's exactly what this is happening to me. And, uh, so they started doing deliverance with me and just commanding. They were just like, you know, they would get discernment and do what we do now today, but just like commanding stuff to come forward in Jesus name. And it was crazy that the one pastor, this experience was so real and it was so intense, like straight out of the book of Acts. But the pastor was like, um, you've given, and he didn't even, I don't even know if he knew where I was coming from. Like, I think he knew my parents, but I don't think he would have known this, but he was like, I'm just hearing from God that you've given uh, the enemy rights to your throat. Mm. And it was like so specific. And I was like, is this during the service? Like people are all there and stuff. No, this is after. So they've kind of cleared the place out and it's, you know, a smaller group there or whatever. Yeah. But he's like, I hear that like you've given the enemy rights to your throat. And obviously I'm like, yeah, I did. Like I've been allowing this spirit to like help me scream basically. And, And then, uh, which I mean, I knew that at that point in time, like it became very clear to me, that's what was going on. But then right when he said it, all of a sudden I felt this like hand, like grab my throat and I started gagging and coughing and like almost threw up kind of thing. Like it was so intense. Um, and they started commanding this thing to come out and they were like the blood of Jesus down your throat. And I felt this thing like release my throat and come out of my mouth Wow! and it like just fly right out of my mouth and it was gone. And my throat felt like totally different. Um, and it was like that. And then basically for the next like couple weeks, um, they had, they brought me through a program. They do a program at that church of like a deliverance thing where I went in and I renounced it, which was super helpful for me. Like just went through and renounced different sin involvements I had in my life. And it was just like a few weeks of repentance. So, and even that night, like I went home and I got all my clothes, all my death metal CDs, all my drug, like old drug paraphernalia stuff, anything else I had put it in a huge garbage bag and just like put it on the curb kind of thing. Mm. And, uh, um, yeah. And I had no clothes after that. (laughs) (laughs) I'd ask my mom to go buy me like all new t-shirts because I didn't own a single shirt that didn't have a skull or something on it. So like, um, yeah, but that was, and that started this process of repenting for me and going through this deliverance process with them. And after a couple weeks, like I experienced major freedom the first night, but then it was like after a couple of weeks, I was totally free. And I was like, and my mind was completely healed. I remember like to leaving the experience and I was like walking out of the church one day and I was just like looking at my hands and I was like, I just felt like a clean, like little boy. And I felt like pure. And I, and I felt like that feeling I had of being detached from reality. All of a sudden it was like, I could feel again. And I was like, it was like, there was this blip in my life from when I was a kid and I knew God and there's this like blip of like detachment and darkness and confusion. And then all of a sudden it was like, I was reconnected with like, Oh, this is who I was created to be. This is like my, I felt like a little boy again. Mm, wow. Wild. Who was the first person you told about this experience? Oh man. I mean, I think, um, the very first. Good question. I don't even know. I can't remember. I, I, I definitely told like everybody right away when it happened. Like you're I, still, you're still dating Sylvia. Oh, Sylvia. Yeah. It was probably Sylvia that I told first. Yeah. But, and I know it was parents. Sylvia because we had our disciple of city investigative team research you. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Sylvia is the first person you share the gospel with. Yeah, probably. It, 
I, I'm trying to like think back. I mean, obviously my family, my mom would have known mm-hmm. and like, I probably shared it with my dad or something. So now were your parents still not that there's levels, but you know what I mean? Were your parents in a different place in their faith at this yeah. time or were they in the same places when you grew up and where was Sylvia at? Yeah. So Sylvia at first, so actually I'll answer parents first. So this was like all new for my family. So we like kind of lived in this place of like, oh yeah, demons are real, but they're somewhere out there in Africa. Like was kind of our, our thought on it. And like, that was basically it. Like didn't really have any grid for casting out demons, deliverance stuff at all or anything supernatural really. Um, And then like when this happened, it like shook my family and like, so I think actually my dad and my mom both experienced some kind of deliverance after that as well. Um, my dad was set free from a bunch of stuff. And then um, and then shortly after that, too, my brother, uh, I was like a couple weeks later, he he gave his life back to Christ and got set free from a bunch of spirits and had like a similar experience to me. Um, but Sylvia was actually, I think, after my brother, like I think she she was a little bit of time, but there was like a period of time for I think it was a couple months um, where I was like sharing with her, like I shared everything that happened and she was kind of like, okay, like this is just some weird fad and he's going to kind of forget about this. And she thought it was weird. And I remember praying about it cause I was like, I gave up everything. Like I went and I quit my bands. I told them, Hey guys, I'm giving my life to Jesus and I'm following him now and I can't do this stuff anymore. And they were all kind of like, okay, well do you do you man? <laughs> and like, they were fine about it, but you dropped the sponsorship for the skateboarding. I did eventually. I was sponsored for a couple of years, but I just, I just felt like you know I got to this point where I was like, well, I mean to be real, I'm getting all this free stuff, and and my heart was like, I just want to preach the gospel, and I I don't have any intention of going farther with skateboarding. Like I I still love it, but not not as a career. So I don't want to just be taking free stuff to to do it kind of thing. Um, but anyways, I. Uh, but yeah, but Sylvia, it was like a couple months later, I, I, and I had felt like I was ready to break up with her and I was like, I was ready to give it all to Jesus, but I prayed about it and I felt the Lord be like, don't, don't break up with her. Like, just wait. And I mean, obviously stay pure. Don't, you know, don't do stupid stuff and like follow me. But I, and so I basically told Sylvia like, Hey, like, I just want you to know, like, I'm not going to dump you, but I'm going this way and I'm going to follow Jesus. And that's what I'm doing with my life. And I just kind of hung out with her as a friend mm-hmm. and just kept like sharing with her what God was doing. And somehow she just still wanted to meet up with me, even though she would say like she was an atheist and didn't believe in that stuff and thought it was weird. And she always just had arguments and rebuttal stuff, like couldn't really hear the testimony it was just kind of like, Oh, this is just weird. And what about this and who created God and like all the, whatever, just the arguments that we, you know, classic arguments that people have. Yeah. Um, Oftentimes and, legit questions too, oh, totally, right? When yeah, you're coming from that mindset. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. And then, but she went, she, uh, I was like, well, Hey, just come meet with the pastor. Cause I don't know anything. I just got blasted. <laughs> 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 My life has changed. So I don't know. That's good enough for me. And I know it's real because uh, I'm like a totally different person and I'm healed, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, uh, but yeah, she went and sat, I was like, come sit down with the pastor. So she came, sat down with the pastor and like, uh, pastor broke down for her like if she had a list of like 20 different like uh questions of like arguments against god and arguments against jesus and stuff and the pastor went through and answered every single question and she was like basically got sylvia to this place where sylvia like left that meeting and was like 
I don't even know what I believe anymore. Like, so she was like basically agnostic at that point. Like maybe there could be a God and like maybe Jesus is real. So that happened, but it wasn't. And then it was a few weeks later when she actually gave her life to Christ. But I uh, went over to her house. It's actually such a beautiful story. I went over to her house and I was doing my classic thing. Like I'm listening to worship music now and I'm just like, man, you got to hear this song. It's so cool. And she's like, these songs are so stupid and, lame and cheesy. And like, <laughs> I don't like that. Shut that stuff off. Like it's garbage. And like saying it in obviously more harsh way than that. But, uh, like, and, but I was like, no, you got to listen to this worship song. So I'm like playing a worship song. She's like, this stuff is crap. Like, why do you listen to it? It's so dumb. And then like all of a sudden, like in the middle of her, just like cussing out the worship song that I'm, I'm putting on all of a sudden God's presence just goes like, and just fills the room. And it was like, you could physically feel wind just going through the room all of a sudden. And, and like this wind just swept by us. And then next thing I know, she goes from like criticizing this worship song to just dropping and just crying and just like, like, I don't know what's happening right now. What is this? And I'm like, it's Jesus. It's the presence of God. And then I actually did deliverance with her. I was like, and she's like, she's like, I feel like I'm in this tug of war where I want to, like, I feel Jesus and I want to give my heart to him. But I also just like, am so freaked out basically. And this is the weirdest thing I've ever experienced in my life. And then, so I'm just commanding stuff to leave her. And eventually she prays and she goes, she just gets the words of Jesus come into my heart and just the Holy spirit just, just comes in and, and she just gets wrecked and like, She's just like, I don't know. Like she knew nothing at this point of what just happened, but she was like, she would say it this way. She was like, you know, all I know is that I just love Jesus now and I don't know why, but I just love him. And like, and then, so from that point on, she started coming to church with me and started growing in her faith. And, uh, it was awesome. And she has, she had some pretty crazy encounters with God, like in the early going that just like convinced her it was all real. And it was just it's just awesome. Wow. That's powerful, <laughs> man. So, um, so this all goes down. You, you started going to Tyndale. Was that like just after that you started, yeah. you had a real deep interest in sort of the theology and that type of thing. Did you want to be a pastor or what brought you to Tyndale or did you just want to learn? Yeah, I wanted to be a pastor. I, I mean, basically in my mind at that point in time, I was like, all I want to do is Jesus stuff for the rest of my life. And I, I had like no vision like for anything else in my life. Like I was like, I used to have all this vision and dreams of being a death metal screamer or a skateboard pro skateboarder or like other ideas. And then all of a sudden I was like, if I don't serve Jesus and preach the gospel and I was like, I, I, I can't picture myself living or doing like anything else in my life. Like this is it for me. Like I just have to declare what he's done for the rest of my life kind of thing. Um, Hopefully that makes sense the way I said that, but, uh, <laughs> it, it makes sense to me. bro. Yeah. And then, and then, so I, I, yeah, so I just was like, well, and the pathway given to me was, yeah, well, you got to go study theology. And so, which is cool. I went and studied theology for like five years at Tyndale and oh. a bachelor of arts degree in theology. I was really interested in like historical theology. So I love going back and like, I studied a lot of like Aquinas and like, um, I don't know, like Jonathan Edwards and um, a bunch of those guys. Calvin, I studied a lot of his stuff too, so I did that for a while. But I love like the historical stuff and just, yeah. So that was my five years. Cool, man. So what about um, how you got into ministry? Troy Cooper, how did you meet? Oh, yeah, yeah. How did you meet Troy Cooper? Who is Troy Cooper for people so people know who he is? 
Yeah. And does that tie into Africa, your trip to Africa with Sylvia, or is that something separate or put all those pieces together? Experience. Yeah. So that was, I would say, aside from getting delivered from demons and giving my life to Christ, the second most pivotal experience I've ever had was it was about five years later, six years later. So this is like I was, you know, serving at a church, studying theology, doing that kind of stuff. Um, But yeah, I think it was about six years later, I had this experience in Africa that like transformed me and just my whole way of thinking about living for Jesus and like ministry and everything. Like it was like another paradigm shift on top of just entering the kingdom of God. Um, But uh, I basically, it it all started like, so I was, when I was, after about four years, I started losing like early on, I I got into identity stuff. And we've talked about this, like for, we talk about this every day. We hang out. We love it. We love to talk about it. We're going to do a whole show, you and me on identity. We have to, (laughs) but uh, I, I I was having like, when I first came to Christ after the deliverance, I was just learning, like everything was new. And I was just like, and I got this book from Neil T. Anderson about identity in Christ. And I just would read this thing. And it was just all like saying truths about who I am in Christ. And I was just like, blew my mind and it just changed my whole world. And I started living free and like, and like coming from like drug background and and some different stuff. And, uh, and even like struggle, like with sexual stuff, like, um, pornography for years, like I was completely set free and I, I didn't have any struggle at all. Like I was just like, I'm serving Jesus. And I was like, I don't even care about, I just didn't care about sin anymore. Like I knew who I was, I was walking my identity. That was the first couple of years when I was a Christian, Um, and like, I mean, I'm sure I had some, I had some other issues. I was learning character stuff, but the kind of big sins for me in my life, the things that held me captive for years were totally broken. And then like, as time went on, I started, I was studying a lot of theology. I was learning a lot, but I started like slipping away from my original grasp of my identity and, uh, ended up going into like a depression. And that's like that book I wrote, uh, really, really free is all about this journey. But Anyways, I, so I came to this point in my life where I was really depressed, really struggling, starting to struggle with old like sin patterns again. And just like, just feeling like I lost vision for my life, for ministry. Like I didn't, I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I I felt like I just was like, I don't know if I even want to be a pastor anymore. I don't know if I want to do this anymore. I was just feeling like kind of done. We got this opportunity to go to Africa, and while I was there, it just changed my life. So I was, I was there just, I basically, my goal in going to Africa, Sylvia had this internship thing that was offered to her. So she was working for this organization there, um, and I was just the tag along. And I was just thinking, well, I'm just going to rest and heal and, and just, like, rest because I'm so depressed and miserable. And, and I'm like, maybe I'll just heal or whatever in this time in Africa. I did get healed, but not in the way that I thought I was going to get healed. Um, but I, I ended up going and I felt like before I went, the Lord prompted me to pack a church history textbook. And I was like, all right. So I packed one of my church history textbooks. And then the day I show up, I find out that, uh, this seminary in town, they were looking for a church history professor and they were like, our guy just got sick and we have a, a semester starting in two weeks. And like, do you, we heard you have a degree in theology. Do you know anything about church history? And could you teach us? And I was like, yeah, I, I do know some things about church history. So I ended up becoming the church history professor at this seminary in town for like a, a few months while I was living in Malawi. And then, uh, 
So I did, I, I basically, I'm like, I'm preparing these classes and teaching these classes on church history, but then I'm having these, I'm meeting with the students and the students in the school are telling me these stories about their church planting that they're doing and their evangelism. And like, I remember there's one conversation, there's a few that like just rocked me, but there was like this one where I came back from the weekend and uh, these students are like, Curtis, like, um, how, or how was your weekend, brother Curtis? And, and I was like, oh, it was good. And I'm just thinking back on my weekend. I'm like, I literally just binge watched some movies on my laptop, just ate food, like did, didn't really do anything. <laughs> and then uh, I was like, yeah, it was good. Like, how was your weekend? And they were like, oh, brother Curtis, it's so good. It was so wonderful. Uh, we had been saving up our money for months and months, uh, me and a group of students. And we finally got enough money to take this mini bus out to this village that's like far out uh away from town and we know that there's no church there. So we went out to this village and we went and we knocked on every single door. We invited the whole village out to a crusade. We held a crusade and 300 people gave their lives to Christ and we baptized them and we planted a new church. Wow. And like, they're telling me the story and then they're telling me about like, Oh yeah. And many demons came out. Many sick people were healed and can walk. And like, they're just going on in this story. And I'm just like, what on earth are you doing in my class? Like, why are you coming to learn from me? Like, it was such a humbling experience. And it, it really just brought me to this point in my life where I was like, okay, God, like my head is so full of knowledge about you. But I was like, my life looks nothing like, like the book of Acts. Like it looks nothing like what I see in scripture. And then I'm seeing these people who don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of education, don't have like half or a quarter of any of the ministry training that I have yet their life looks like the book of acts and they're bearing incredible fruit and they're free and they're happy and they're like full of joy and like all of these things. And I'm just like, it just like brought me to this place where I was like a real humbling moment where I just was like, God, like I need to start over. Like I've missed something big. And then that kind of ushered me into this whole new season of my life into the ministry I do now. Um, and it all started with me just kind of like, again, like while I'm hearing these stories in Malawi, I started looking at the book of Acts and just going, man, I want to do ministry like that. That's what I want my ministry to look like. And I was, and I, I remember praying, even asking Jesus, like, Jesus, I don't want to do ministry. I want to do ministry the way you did ministry. Mm. I want to actually copy my master as close as, as I can. I want to get as close to that as possible. And shed off anything that keeps me from that basically so is is this when you met troy cooper yeah so when you came back from africa mm-hmm. you met troy cooper so yeah. so who is tell us who troy is so people know who troy cooper is yeah so troy cooper he was working uh for an organization called e3 partners and uh Basically, I got home and we ran into these church planters in Oshawa and they were starting up a new church plant and they had a small core team and they're like, yeah, we're just going to start sharing the gospel with people. So this was like the week I came back. I ran, we randomly meet these people trying to start a church plant, move there from Texas, awesome couple. And they were just like hungry to go knock on every door in the city and share the gospel with people. And we were like, this is what we want to do too. So we'll just help you guys because... That's all we want to do. We were just working jobs and serving on this team and helping do a ton of evangelism and started seeing people come to Christ and all that. But basically, right after we met them, they were going through this training and it was called a gospel conversation training. And uh, a team from the States, Troy Cooper was on the team, but he came down 
to basically invest in this new church plant. And they hosted a training and we did it in this hotel and it was like a really tiny room in this hotel. And uh, a few people, like a small group of people came out and uh, Troy just started um, training us in these tools. And it was stuff that we're using today, like the three circles and different tools like that. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm hearing these tools and then he, he presents to me the four fields, this tool. And it's basically a movement, pro, like a process for movement. And he's, they start going through like the book of Acts and showing like this is actually a biblical process. And this tool, the four fields actually came out of a movement in India where a bunch of guys were just like, well, how do we reach our city? And they just read the Bible and just copied Jesus and came up with a tool called the four fields, go figure. And like, and then they were like, and which, yeah. So I'm seeing this process and it basically what this training did for me, it like rock, like rocked my world because it just put simple language to some of the revelation I'd had. So I'd seen these things in the, in the book of acts and I was like, I want them. And then this tool is just like, here's how you can start practically going after them. So it was a game changer for me. So I just started sharing the three circles with everybody. I started implementing the four field strategy and some of the tools uh, from no place left is the organization, the training, sorry, it's a training resource um, uh, started by Troy Cooper and some other people. Um, but Troy really, yeah, he started speaking into my life and really started calling stuff out of me that like nobody had ever kind of seen in me. And I remember he said that the, like the Holy Spirit spoke to him on a plane and he shared this word with me and he said, Curtis, like, I believe, uh, and he said it may be a bit of a different way, but he said, like, I believe you're called to be a, like an L5 leader, uh, which in uh, NPL language is like, a, like an app, like an apost apostolic kind of leader, like an apostle Paul kind of church planter, church plant multiplier movement person, <laughs> whatever. And so he shares this word with me and I was like, I didn't even have a clue what it meant. Like, I was just like, okay. And then, but the Lord just used that to really rock me. And I was like, he just started calling all these things out of me. Like, man, like you're a pioneer and like, you're not a, you're not a pastor. You're an ape, like apostle, <laughs> prophet, evangelist. Like, uh, and he's like, you know, you've actually, you're called the pioneer and like, you've had these desires in your life for so long for pioneering. And, and that's why you felt like you could never fit in a pastoral role kind of thing. And he's just saying all these things. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I'm like, I finally have clarity on like what I feel called to do. So he was like totally pivotal to my, my, uh, my life. Like, and then that's when uh, a little while after that, that's when me and Sylvia really got into like church planting, like simple church, like house church stuff, just going after people, the lost, lost people, seeing them come to Jesus, baptizing them in our bathtub, discipling them in our home, starting to form simple Christian communities, trying to see multiplication, which we've seen now. And yeah, it just led to a whole new shift of how I, I do ministry now. So that's awesome. Yeah. Curtis, man, we're, we're starting to run out of time. Uh, I wanted to ask you about something else, but uh, I knew we would run out of time because yeah. your story's rich. It's really, really good. Um, and there's a whole nother element of course, because I know you, there's a whole nother element that I hope you come back on the show because I would really like to talk about po post meeting Troy Cooper, getting into E3, how that all looked, some stories of yeah. your church plants and people that you've seen set free. And then, of course, how you became involved with uh, Disciple of City. But first, uh, I just want to ask you about this book that Curtis wrote called Really, Really Free. And, uh, 
when this gets down to Australia and is translated, it'll be called free as. <laughs> but can you just, um, Curtis, just give us like a little summary of, of I mean, it's kind of obvious to me what the book's about, but yeah. just to give us a little summary of what this book is about. Yeah, so really, really free. I mean, it's it's all about identity, but it, it really just explores like, so as a Christian, you know, you don't just get a status update in heaven or a ticket to heaven when you come to Christ. Like the invitation in the gospel is actually that you'd be born again, that your nature would actually change and become righteous and like that you'd receive actually his nature, a new divine nature, as it says in Second Peter chapter one. But it's um, so really, really free uh, is just the journey as like during that same season that I was talking about where I was depressed and then found out about church planning stuff and started getting convicted about evangelism. Uh, we started like going out and I started really confronting things in my life that was like, you know, behind the depression and behind some of the anxiety and the fear that I had that was keeping me from evangelism. I started realizing all there was all these identity lies and the one one specific identity lie was this idea that, you know, I'm still kind of fundamentally, experientially a sinner um, now. Um, and so I'll, but I'm covered by his grace. So I'll, I'll go to heaven was kind of my mindset. And so I had this basically, um, like just this very negative self-talk and self thinking in in my life where I was like, you know, I'll always probably struggle with depression or I'll always struggle with fear. I'll always struggle with lust or I'll always struggle with whatever fill in the blank of like whatever you're, I was struggling with. Um, and then I started really exploring the Bible and I started discovering this message that it's like, no, actually like when you were born again, like, and it says in, in second Peter chapter one, I mentioned that verse, but it says that his divine power uh, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then it says a couple of verses later, because we've become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So I, I started realizing it's like, and Romans six talks about this too, but I started realizing it's like, actually the, the message of the gospel is that when I was born again, when I was like the spirit of God entered into me and recreated my spirit man, what happened was that I actually was given the ability to be like Jesus, which is crazy. And it's like, so instead of a mindset that says, well, I'm a sinner, you know, once a sinner, always a sinner. I realized that it's like, no, I was a sinner in my identity and in my DNA but then when I was born again, I actually became a saint. I became a child of God. And as a child of God, I have access to this whole new world of freedom in my life where if Jesus says, follow me, that means I actually can follow him. You know, and it says to be transformed into his image. That means I actually can look like Jesus because I possess this new divine ability to change. And so that just led to this whole new breakthrough in evangelism and freedom from fear and freedom from depression and freedom from all these things because I realized that I'm like, there's no barrier to me becoming like him in every way. So anything that I thought was a barrier, it's just like it was annihilated in the gospel. Like I can actually be free. So good, <laughs> man. So good. good. We should do a whole podcast on that because <laughs> let's we go do for it. Three hours or more. <laughs> let's do it, bro. 
Curtis, thanks for thanks for being on the show. Thanks for sharing your story, man. Really appreciate it. Bro, thanks for having me. Can't wait to be back. Awesome. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope this story has been impactful for you. Uh, be sure to check out Curtis's book, really, really free. You can get that on the Amazon. Be sure to reach out to us at discipleofcity.ca. If you're looking for freedom, if you're looking to be trained up on how to share the gospel, and if you're experiencing things like Curtis has in his story, if you can relate to that story, please reach out. The Lord wants to see you set free. For Disciple of City, I'm Todd Carlton. We'll see you next week.